Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Uh, but I'm really excited to be here this morning. I am Jeremy Cook. I was on staff here. We have started a church uh, church plant. I call it a young church now. I'm trying to use that language. Uh, we're two years old. We started March 15th of 2020. Very exciting moment in the life of everybody as the pandemic came roaring in. Um, that's when the Lord had us start our church. And I live in a city, um, just to kind of give you a brief context as I'm diving into this journey of faith. Uh, the River Community Church with one other church would equal all the believers in my city. My city is twice as big as yours. My university is 28,000 people alone. There's less than 2% to 3% that follow a Jesus. So I don't take this opportunity this morning. I'm really excited and I have a lot to say. I may talk really fast because I went over last service and I didn't want to cut anything. Um, but that's where I'm coming at. So this morning, I'm really excited to see all of you guys and to know that this is a very special, unique city. Cookville, Tennessee is a very special unique place. And I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful that you guys have October where you're giving and sending and praying and at least opening your hearts to the idea of willing to be giving and going and sending people. So this morning, we're going to talk about faith. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 and 12, not reading it in entirety. We don't have time for that. Um, But kind of just the premise this morning, a, a question, we just sang that song, Great Are You, Lord. I love that. I think that was the last song we sang before I like I got sent out in my tears years ago. And it's this idea in John chapter six, just to kind of give you some framework, you could read it later. But Jesus had just healed, uh, not healed, he fed 5,000 people. He's doing all these miracles and everybody's rallying around Jesus. They're like, man, I wanna follow this guy. What does he have to say? They're like in awe of his words and they come to him. And then he he says this thing like, you gotta drink my blood and eat my flesh. And they're all like, uh, they slam on the emergency brake. They're like, what? And the reality is their expectations of what they thought and who they thought Jesus were, were not being met. So therefore they vacated the premises. They turned, they left. Jesus looks at the 12 remaining. He's like, hey, do you guys want to go away too? And Peter says this, and it's always resonated with me. He's like, where else would I go? Like, what else would I do? Like, that is the premise I want us to kind of get to this morning. Great are you, Lord. I want to sing it. I want to champion it. And it's not always like I'm on idle 10, just pressing into it. We're going to talk about this morning. Sometimes we feel like we're drifting from our faith. We're struggling in our faith. But what actually is causing all this is some transformation in our heart. Like to remain, you must be transformed by the power of Jesus. To remain in your calling, there's going to be obstacles and darkness. There's going to be challenges in your way. Your expectations will not be met. If you've lived long enough, you will know that things will happen. Life will happen. Circumstances out of your control and in your control will fault. And so this morning, I want us to kind of think about, there's a self-assessment, but there's also people in your lives this morning that you've, if you're a believer, you've been around people for a while, or you're just like inspired by somebody, they're living a life of faith. I've had those people in my life. They're still my good friends. Some of them have passed on to be with the Lord, but they've inspired me in such a way that I'm like, wow, I want that faith. I've read biographies and books of my life of people living a life of faith. And it's not like, wow, okay, I'm going to put that back on the bookshelf. I'm like, wow, what do I do with that? Like, I want that in my life. How do I get to that place in life? 
How do I become a, a, a characteristic of these people? Not how do I like become the cookie cutter of that person, but how do I like get to that place? And it's through the transforming of the heart. They love Jesus. They live for Jesus. They gave their lives up for Jesus. They denied themselves for Jesus. They communed with Jesus. Like they were being transformed by Jesus. So a self-assessment this morning, don't raise your hand, but just to be honest with yourself, if you were gonna rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 this morning, where your faith is, how is your faith this morning? One being like, man, I believe in Jesus and I'm just like here. I woke up this morning on the struggle bus. You should be glad I'm here, Jeremy. And I am glad you're here. 10 is not perfection. 10 is like, man, I am so excited. I can't wait to leave today or tomorrow. I am going to go perceive this or do this action that I want to do in the Lord and with the Lord. Like you're excited about your faith. You're like, I can't wait to see what God does tomorrow. That would be 10. So where would you be on the scale of one to 10? And then sometimes, I don't know about you, but my perception of how I feel and my actions don't quite match up. So if you're going to rate yourself on a one to 10, how active are you in your faith? Like if I love ice cream and I never go to the ice cream shop and I tell you like, man, ice cream is the best. You should try all these flavors, blah, 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 that I never go eat ice cream. I never buy ice cream. I'm not practicing my indulgence of ice cream. Like, so in our faith, I'm just being silly, but like I can say one thing, but am I actually practicing? Am I living a certain way? And the final question, that's probably the hardest question that I'm confronted with often, if you're honest with yourself, what would Jesus say about my faith this morning? One to 10, like in all honesty, you're hanging out with Jesus. Jesus, how is my faith this morning? Like, am I being active in that? And I want to say this morning, it's okay wherever you are. Like, at Pioneer Church, it's a lot of hiking out there. So I talk about this all the time. Like we're coming together on this platform. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with myself. We're all putting on our backpacks this morning. We're gonna gather around this trail. So we're all entering this trail of faith, this journey of faith at very unique and different places. And so it's okay this morning if you're struggling. It's okay this morning if you're not even sure about Jesus. I'm glad that you're here. But we're gonna come together this morning. And I have to be keenly transparent that I am hoping to stir your heart this morning. I'm hoping that there's some embers of flickering fire that are going on. And you're like, man, I've just been really like bland lately in my faith. I want to let the scripture and the Holy Spirit inspire you maybe to take that next step. So we need to pray before we dig into these scriptures. God, I ask right now, Father, in your power and your Holy Spirit, through your scriptures, through your word, Father, you speak through me that you, and even if it's not something on the sermon, but you're doing something in somebody's life that you're just speaking to them. Father, you actually want to take pleasure in our faith. It makes you smile. And Father, we want that this morning and we need your heart and your power and your Holy Spirit to remove obstacles and barriers and anxiety and problems that we're facing in this very moment just to hear from you. God, we ask that you would move individually and corporately inside the hearts of men and women. Let us be transformed this morning in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I know at the river, you guys have been talking about praying, giving, and going. So that's my framework of faith and transformation this morning. Um, so there's an inroad, there's an on-ramp for everybody here. I'm gonna start off with a go though, because you may have already checked that off your box, but you probably shouldn't check it off your box. But this morning, I've been praying all week that some of you in faith that you will go 
that I am keenly aware this morning that not everybody is going to wake up and leave the service and like, wow, I'm going to Mongolia. I'm going to Nigeria. I'm going wherever like the ends of the earth are to you. I realize that, but I'm hoping this morning that some of us will be transformed to go, to be active in our faith, whether it's to our neighborhood, to our workplace, to our roommates, whatever it is that you're going to go. But I'm praying that some seeds will be planted this morning. And I know that they will, that people will begin to take those steps of faith. Because I'm here to say, I, like, when I began practicing my faith, when I began this journey, I didn't just wake up and be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go do this. Like God grew me, he molded me. He's like slowly transformed me and he's brought my journey in different places at different times and different seasons. And I've learned from different people and different things that I've like treasured in my heart, those heroes of faith that I have in my own heart. I'm like, wow, I wanna be like that person. And that person's cheering me on now. And so I want us to kind of find that place that seeds will be planted this morning that you're going to at least be, Lord, I'm willing to go. Maybe you've already marked it off your box. Like, I'm not going anywhere. That's what happened to me. And then I ended up in Oregon. I thought like, well, I'm just at the river for the rest of my life. This is gonna be kind of cool. Like, (laughs) nope, it's not what the Lord has for me. So some of you are gonna be praying that. Some of you have been blessed with stewardship of finances or different things. And I'm praying this morning in faith that you will give. Some of you are already giving so much. And I thank you on behalf of my family, all of those about the North American Mission Board. I get to hang out with pastors, with other kids that are in a very unchurched place, a very unreached place that we gather once a month. And we're kind of like, man, are you still in it? Are you still in it? Are we still hanging in there? I don't know. I want to give up. Like, But we are being able to at least take a financial burden off of us that we can like do ministry in a very expensive context. I live in a state that is the fourth most expensive place in the U.S. It's very easy to give up with a lot of kids. I have seven, if you don't know me. And then the all skate this morning for us is to that we can all pray. And I hope that you're already praying. But I want to say that praying is essential, not just to the kingdom work, but to the actual awareness of your very own heart. Like this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about religious obligation versus transformation. And the idea is like, man, if you're actually praying and you're actually communing with God, like these other things, praying, giving, going, will just naturally come up because you're asking God. He's going to guide your life. He's going to guide your stewardship of giving. He's going to lead you in the path of going. And as you pray, you're in constant communication with the Lord and you will discover your unique plan and your unique purpose. That's different than mine. Not everybody in here is going to go to Oregon and not everybody's going to go to Nevada or wherever, like, or across the street. But God uniquely designed you with a plan and a purpose. And when you begin communing with the Father, he kind of illuminates that desire. And all of a sudden you find like life is more exciting. Life is more thrilling. It's dangerous. It's crazy. I'm scared to death, but I'm actually showing up for my life instead of just being like the robot, doing everything I've always done. God wants to transform you. So this morning, we're going to be in several scriptures. Uh, I'm going to kind of just do hyperspeed, like Star Wars, like we're going to through cruise through the galaxy of the Gospels and talk about what Jesus said about faith. So that's going to be really fast. But I also just want to remind you and I that like, man, it's a process. Just I just said that. It is a process of little steps, of little steps, of learning to listen to God, of learning that I did listen to God. That didn't turn out like I thought it was going to turn out, but I'm going to keep listening to God. I'm going to keep going this way. I'm going to keep doing these things. It doesn't happen overnight. And as I came to faith 21 years ago, I began 
learning in church and learning through the preaching of my pastor. And I, I began to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And like, the more I got to know Jesus, I'm like, wow, he said some really simple things, but they're kind of weird and just like, just straightforward. Like I'm a brand new believer and I'm reading things like your faith has made you whole. Your sins are forgiven. Well, that's really cool. Follow me. What does that mean? Jesus says, follow me. He's still saying that to you in 2022. Follow me. That means you're going to have to be transformed. That means you're going to have to live a life of faith. So in my life and in my journey early on, I knew people that were doing things in ministry. And it's not about just doing ministry, but it's like they were living a life of sharing their faith or praying for people. Like, man, there's those people in your lives that like they pray and that's their gift. And you just want to be around those people because they're like a little strange, but you're like, I want this person in my life. So what is it that transforms us? What makes us radically, what would make you radically reorient your life, your plans? What makes one person move across the country and another not? What makes one throw in the towel and not throw in the towel when a pandemic hits and personal finances go broke and your navigation inflation in 2022? What, what drives you to stay? What drives men and women and sons and daughters to leave their place and to go to an actual unknown uncertainty? What spiritual factors might make a difference in a radical life versus religious obligation? And I would say it's Jesus. Allowing Jesus to transform your heart. Our faith in Jesus is active. It should be active and transformational. It's not passive or informational. That's totally different. Sitting in a school lecture hall and receiving information to regurgitate. No, Jesus is actually transforming your heart. It means it's like alive. You are a living stone is what it calls you. You should be different. Our faith is transcending, it's transformative, it's transferable. Those are all just words that start with T, so I like them. Transcending means it's supernatural. Transformative means it's like a transformer, like I shouldn't be who I once was. And my faith, if I'm living it out, actually becomes pretty transferable. People would be really excited to hang out with people of faith because it's exciting to be around people that believe and are convinced in Jesus. They're confident in the Lord. Faith is to be practiced. So what would this look like on our hyperspeed through the Gospels this morning? Jesus said these things. I want to give us a lot because it's Jesus and it's not Jeremy. Jesus said, first we're going to point to critiques that Jesus said about faith. And I'm going to flip these around that I had this morning. But one was that he critiqued the religion that ignored the faith. He was critiquing the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jewish teachers of the day, because they were practicing obligation to all the rules but had no faith. And he critiqued them and he challenged them. He challenged their system. They were, they were so concerned about preserving the image of God. They were so concerned about preserving the temple and its holiness that they actually neglected the brokenness of the world and the loss of the world, the, the riffraff of the world. They didn't want them in. But Jesus was a little bit weird to them as he was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and the pagans and the Gentiles. He was like, whoever come in. And yet the religious people were missing out on their faith. They had created, in a sense, religion was an idol in their lives. Idols and religion can quench the very fire of our soul that Jesus longs to ignite by his Holy Spirit. It robs us of the transforming power of our faith. And it is not transferable to an onlooker at that point. People are inspired by faith and should be inspired by people 
of faith, living out their faith in Jesus. Who else did Jesus critique about faith? He often said this thing many times, why do you have little faith? In Matthew alone, he says it like seven times. Like, why do you have such little faith? He's teaching on the Sermon of the Mount and he's talking about trusting in the Lord, that the Lord will provide food, he'll provide whatever you need. He provides for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. They don't sow, but yet they reap. And he's, he's making this greater thing. Like, I love you, I'm going to take care of you, but why do you have such little faith in me, in God? Matthew 14, 31, Peter's rebuked for having little faith as he's walking on the water. He gets a lot of, a lot of dissing, but he actually like at least stepped out of the boat, right? Like he's walking on the water and somewhere along the way, though he began to sink as he lost his faith, he drifted maybe from his belief in that moment. Matthew 16, 18, the disciples ran out of bread. They're hanging out with Jesus. The 7-Elevens were closed. They had no 24-hour restaurant to go through and they're kind of hungry and they're like, what do I do, Jesus? We're gonna die, we're starving. And Jesus is like, hey, don't you remember we just fed like 5,000 people? And he kind of goes into this deeper explanation in this moment, but the fact he chastised them, again, because they had no faith. They were worried about starving to death, even though they were hanging out with the bread of life. Matthew 17, 17, Jesus calls them faithless generation. Again, talking about the, the religious people of the day and those that were so concerned about religion that they missed the kingdom of God that was right in front of them. And throughout the biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelation, you and I can read stories of people having faith, of living their faith out. We also read stories of people turning away from their faith and disaster happens and different things happen. And we champion things like Abraham who walked by faith and not by sight, who believed in the Lord for giving him a child in his old age and that his descendants would be the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea. Like that's exciting. And David who was just a little shepherd boy fought a giant and his faith was commended and celebrated. But yet, there's also throughout the biblical narrative of people turning away from their faith, ignoring God, trusting in idols, trusting in themselves, trusting in religion. And they never show up for their life. And in fact, disaster happens often. So I want us to look this morning at the positive things that Jesus said as well, because he said a lot of great things about faith. Jesus said things like, your faith is amazing. First time he says that, it's in Matthew 8, and he says it to a Gentile who was not a Jewish person. He was actually a soldier, so even hated more, probably. And so can you imagine? Everybody's following Jesus again, and they're hanging out with him. They're walking with him. It says his disciples are behind him, and everybody that was listening to him in that day in this context. And he meets the centurion, and his servant is sick, and he's like, hey, Jesus, I've heard a lot about you. Can you heal my servant? And he, Jesus is like, yeah, I'll go. And he's like, well, wait, you don't even have to. I'm not really worthy. And in fact, I actually believe so much and you don't have to go because I'm a Roman soldier and I command people to go here and to go there and they just do whatever I say. And you're the son of God is what he's believing. He doesn't say that out loud, but he says, whatever you say will probably happen, will happen. And so Jesus is like, hold up. Like the crowd stop and they're walking behind him. And he's like, this guy, I haven't seen a faith like this in all of Israel. And can you imagine everybody behind him like, what? God, I do all these rules. I'm here every Sunday, I, 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 I'm following the religious rules. And he's like, man, your faith is crazy, amazing. Can you imagine the, I don't know, if Jesus said that to you, back to that assessment question, you'd be like, ah, oh, oh, my faith's pretty amazing. Like, you feel really good. 
The world I live in, in my context, and in my city, and in my state, people are keenly aware of what Jesus is against, what the Bible says is wrong. They, they don't need you to tell them that. But what they need is people living a life of faith, a kingdom-minded community of crazy Jesus followers who are just doing life with them, living a life of faith, that they're a little perplexed by you, they're a little perplexed at the way you do, and that's gonna actually transfer to them. Jesus brought faith for every nation, tongue, and tribe. He was doing some crazy thing in the New Testament. Nobody knew what was happening yet, but he did. He said things like, your faith has made you well. Not your good works, not your knowledge, but your belief in Jesus has made you whole. He says things, wow, you have great faith to another lady who's not even a Jewish lady. He's like, wow, your faith is great. Again, someone on the outside having great faith the very riffraff, again, that the religious elite were trying to keep out of the church. He says things like, have faith, many times. He says, well done, faithful servant. Jesus sees our faith. And in Luke 5, we see this thing that Jesus says, I see their faith, like a corporate faith. I'm still like perplexed. I'm still mulling over this. I've read this many times and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Their faith. Jesus sees your faith. So I want to say that Jesus is saying all these things. He is stirring inside of our hearts. He is commending. He is celebrating the child of God, the daughter of God, who is at least walking in faith. They don't have it all together in perfection, but they're making decisions on their daily needs that like, man, I need Jesus. And in Luke 5, you have the paralytic guy who can't walk, and he obviously has faith. He heard Jesus is coming to town, maybe. So he's like, and I, you know, guys, I can't get there, so I'm going to need some help. So he has some friends who obviously have some faith, because they wouldn't have gone otherwise. And they pick him up, they carry him on a mat. In Luke 5, they get there, it's super crowded. People are hanging out the windows, nobody can get in. So they don't just turn around at the first barrier in their life. They don't give up at the first obstacle in their way. Their first prayer that wasn't answered, they're like, well, this was fake. This was not even real. Like, no, they pursue, they get creative. They, they begin to go up to the roof. They rip off the roof. They lower the guy down. And Jesus, he sees the guy, but the guys are up there. And he's like, wow, I've never seen, like, their faith is amazing. He says it out loud. I see their faith. I see your faith, River. I see your faith, church here and church there and small group there. I see your faith, young man in the prison cells. I see you, Jesus sees you this morning and he sees and he commends your faith if you're moving that way. And he says this crazy thing, your sins are forgiven and, and the entire city erupts. The religious elite are upset again and everybody that knows they're broken is excited. They're aware that Jesus is forgiving sin. And we get to John and then John, fast in our hyperspeed moment, John actually prays for his disciples' faith. He prays for us and our future faith. So there's something important to be said. Even as you read through the New Testament, Paul writes these letters to the church. They're under different names. And he talks about how, wow, I'm writing this letter. I am encouraged by your faith, like this corporate faith. I've heard of your faith. That's amazing. Paul is declaring that we should live by faith. And so we're going to look in the book of Hebrews, who actually quotes from the Old Testament, but there's this idea of like living by faith, 
in the midst of persecution, in the midst of obstacles. But there's a very severe warning too that I want us to kind of receive this morning, especially if you're proclaimed to be a child of God. It, it warns us that God takes no pleasure in those who have no faith. So I want us to talk about that, but I'm also here to encourage you again today that it goes on to say at the end of that, that you're not a people like that, but you aren't like that. So Hebrews 11, we're not going to read that. It's called the heroes of faith in some of your transcriptions. It's, it's great examples of faith. And it's this idea of men and women who have longed to see Jesus. So the writer is kind of, he's setting this up. The book of Hebrews mentions faith 40 times. It's probably important to take note of that if you're reading that book. He says it a lot. And you get to this hero of faith, and he's not like saying, whoa, this is the Hall of Fame, like you guys have the Country Hall of Fame in Nashville, or the NFL Hall of Fame in Ohio, or the, even the better, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for me, because I like music. Like, it's not this plexiglass of trinkets and toys and statues that are wax, that are sitting behind this plexiglass. Jesus isn't waiting for you to be like, oh, I accept you, Jesus, and now I'm in a plexiglass heaven Hall of Fame on the Miracle Road, like in heaven. Like, no, that is not what this is, the writer is getting at. The writer is like, you should live a life like these people. And these people lived a life longing for a kingdom to come, longing for the promised seed of Jesus that they never even saw. They lived and laid down their lives for God, and he is using that to inspire us to do so. And then he goes on to say how much more as us, as believers of Jesus who have received Jesus, who have seen Jesus, even in this context, maybe a generation later or whatever, like you know Jesus is real. How much more should you be living your faith out to the one who died and resurrected and people saw him and he's alive and he's in the hearts of men and women today and he's longing for us to live a life of faith. So that is sandwiched in between chapter 10 and 11 and then 12, which is actually where we get our verse from as a church in Oregon called Pioneer Church. He is the pioneer of our faith. So in Hebrews 10, I just want to read this briefly. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing because we definitely don't have time. But Hebrews 10, if you have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to read verses 23 through 25, and then I'm going to jump down a little bit and talk fast. And it says this. It says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect the meeting together as some people do, but be encouraged one another, especially now as you see the day drawing of his return drawing near. Jump down to with me to verse 32, and it says, think back on those early days. Christian, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible sufferings. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and you were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when you what you were owned was taken away from you. You accepted it with joy. That is crazy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings to you, patient endurance and what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive what he has promised to you. For it is in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. That's you, that's the saints of God's. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Some of your versions say drift away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction we are all faithful ones whose souls will be saved. 
There's some things that you read in the Bible that are hard to understand. There's some things that are gloriously celebrated. There are some things that we should slow down and be like, okay, Jeremy, it says here in scriptures, Jesus takes no pleasure in those who lack faith. Like, okay. So what is the faith? It's not so much what is your faith, but who is your faith? Jesus, the pioneer of all faith. So let me say, it is saying too, as you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in faith that you have died and you resurrected and I'm going to be with the King forever. He's forgiven me of all my sins, my transgressions. He is amazing. He is Lord of Lords. Like, man, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. You are taking that step of faith. You have been brought from death to life. That's pretty amazing. That's about baptism and the symbolicness of there. You were brought from darkness and into his marvelous light. That is a lot of great glory. You and I were sons and daughters of disobedience, but now we are adopted by the King the heavenly father who sent his only son to shed his blood that you and I could be forgiven, made new and made whole and live a life of faith. So that's the first step this morning. If you're not there and you're unsure, that would be like, man, I am pleased in your faith. Jesus would be like, yes, son and daughter. Welcome to my family. Welcome to my kingdom. Good and faithful servant. But I also want to say, as we live a life following Jesus, we aren't that trophy in the plexiglass. You are not a trinket. You are made in the very image of God. You are a broken vessel, as the scriptures describe to us, that contain the hope and the powerful glory of Jesus that is to be shared and to be proclaimed and to be brought forth to make disciples, as we just read, in every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Like, you are to live a radical faith filled with his glory, his power, his glorious work. So how do we get that radical faith? How do I get to a place where, like, where else would I go, Jesus? You have the words of life. And at its simplest, we begin by communing with God. You begin transforming your radical faith as you begin praying, talking to God, reading his scriptures, learning to deny yourselves learning to follow him, learning to trust that he is good, learning to read your Bible again, out of, not out of obligation, but out of transformation, reading it to know and discover who God is and who you are in him. And that transforming power begins to rumble and ignite and you begin to change. Your desires for different things begin to happen. And I don't know like what it is in your life that keeps coming back that's like hindering you. We're gonna talk about that in Hebrews 12. It's like, shake off that thing that's entangling you from running this race of faith, like shake it off. But like, even in those moments, if it's that ice cream that you love or whatever that sin is that you love, that you're just like, Lord, help me right now. Like that is us practicing the way of our faith. The path of following Jesus is not rosy. It is not a summer day with low humidity and a slight breeze and whatever your picnic basket is filled with. It is not always that, but sometimes it is. But following Jesus, you must know, is dark sometimes in the sense that you don't know where you're going and what's going to happen and those things that will occur in our lives. Some of our most favorite stories and novels, whether it's Narnia or Lord of the Rings or even in Star Wars, like these epic stories of good and bad and darkness. But there's this element of the journey of the people of light and the people of good. Like they 
go through some really scary moments and some really scary battles and even some internal wrestling. Like that is part of us growing in our faith. But if you never step out to begin to live that way, you will never show up for your life in a sense. The last five years of my life have been terrifying, but they've been glorious. I can't imagine like looking back even five years, as terrifying as it's been sometimes, like, man, this has been the greatest thing ever. But you asked me like even earlier this week, I'm just like freaked out. I I shared this the last service. I have a newborn baby. I'm 45. I'm not 25 anymore. And I just, things are different, but I was laying him in his bed and he's like freaking out. He's like, his arms are shaking, his lips are quivering. And like, I just picked him up and like, he didn't need a diaper. He wasn't hungry. He just like needed to know his dad or somebody was there in this great big room that he couldn't see around. He can't roll around. And I'm like, man, as I'm holding him, I'm like, Jesus, this is me. Just hold me. Just hold me today. I am actually freaked out and I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't see around me. I'm like shaking my hands, quivering my lips. I'm crying out to God. I'm screaming. But if you hold me, Lord, I know in confidence you are there. And that is kind of a, just a little bit picture of our faith. Like I know Jesus is there. He says in verse 32 of 10, he says, remember the earlier days. So he's reminding the church, like, man, you were once following Jesus. And I know you're being persecuted. And I know there's some hardships. There's some barriers in your life. But don't forget who Jesus once was. Don't drift away from who he's called you to be, knowing that you were saved by faith. And now we are walking in faith. And it goes on to say in the next verse of 11, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's not a free for all fall off a cliff into the unknown. Like walking by faith as I commune with God. I'm being transformed by God. It's not going to look like I thought it looked like. It's not going to be the way I thought it was going to be. But I know in confidence, Jesus Christ is there. He's holding me. And he's like, yeah, good job today, Jeremy. Good job today. That's where I want you to be. And I also want you to know that every day in my life is not like that. Some days I'm on that scale of one to 10. I'm like in one but I don't give up. I don't drift away. I don't turn away. I have to be transformed. And that only happens when you begin to experience and taste and see the goodness of the Lord. And you begin practicing your faith and not just reading about it, not just hearing about it, not just singing about it, but you begin to allow those words and that song to ignite into your heart. It talks about it later in Hebrews that it's a consuming fire and you become so consumed by the fire that you are living a radical faith. You don't even know you're really living a radical faith. Everybody around you is like, whoa, that's really weird. But you're like just in the moment, just enjoying Jesus. I'm with Jesus. You don't even realize it. As of recent, I had a couple in my church, they just moved away. They're in their 20s. They gave away their car to somebody that needed it. I mean, you guys are radical. People don't do that. People in their 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever age you are, you don't have a nice car. You're like, oh, wow, that person really needs it. I'm moving away. Just have my car. And I'm like, ah, you guys are my heroes. You're 20 years younger than me, but you're my ear. Those are the people I want to hang out with. That's what it's talking about. Celebrate together. Come together. Encourage one another. Let's live this faith of Jesus. It's not yours. This isn't our home. We're going to a far, far better place that has a spread in a kingdom with every tribe, every nation, every tongue, everybody that we think that's not going to be there might be there. And some people we thought were going to be there aren't going to be there. It's going to be, but it's going to be wild. But you know who else is going to be there? Jesus forgiveness of our sins, walking in our faith. And in that moment, he's like, well done, my good and faithful servants. We must have faith. We must walk by faith and trust in Jesus. We can't shrink back. Can't lose our way. We got to have people in our lives and community that when we do want to do that, my church planning friends that I gather with, like, do you want to quit this week? Yes. Let's not quit, though. 
Jesus is worth it. Where else would I go? What else would I actually do? Yeah, that job looks great, but the grass is always greener on the other side, right? We are called to walk by faith. So it's my heart's prayer this morning that you and I would learn to do that, that we would seek the Lord, that we would trust the Lord, that we could read Hebrews 11 this week and be like, wow, that's pretty amazing. And in fact, it concludes in there, like, I don't even have time to talk about all the people that we could have talked about. And we get down to verse 12, verses one through three. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that is so easily stripped from us and let us run with endurance this race that is set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the perfecter, the initiator of our faith, the pioneer of our faith because of the joy that is awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given up your lives in the struggles against sin. Like The writer is trying to encourage us to live a life of faith. In that Old Testament scripture, he points back to they didn't live a life of faith like God was displeased in them. They had turned to idols. They had turned to religion. They had turned to other things. You and I don't have carved images in our house, maybe. Maybe you do. Depending on your cultural background, but I can say there are many idols in our house. There are many distractions entangling us from actually stepping into what Jesus has called us to do. And maybe this morning you feel like you have a stagnant, stale faith but it's really, Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. You and I just need to begin practicing our faith. We need to begin taking steps of faith, living it out, learning to hear his voice, learning to listen to the good shepherd and know that he has good things for us. And it's, it may not happen the way you and I think it's gonna happen, but he's there. And I think about this cloud when I wanna quit and Brooke and I often are like, man, there's so many people cheering us on. Like some of you know us, but I can come back on my hard days and be like, well, no, there's people praying for us. I know there's a great cloud cheering us on. I know that there's actually even people that have passed on that are like cheering us on. Maybe my grandma's in heaven and she's like, go, Jeremy. Like, I don't, she's probably got a real, not a squeaky voice. <laughs> like, but there's people cheering us on. But then I read this and I'm like, wow, I want to be a hero of the faith too. I don't want to just read about it again. I don't want to read a biography of a bunch of believers. I want to be transformed by the power of Jesus and live the life that he has uniquely made for me. He's uniquely made for you. That you and I can cheer along people at this race. Encourage one another not to give up in doing good. It can be discouraging wherever the Lord sends you. It can be discouraging even in your household here, trying to share your faith with somebody in your neighborhood or whatever it is. But this morning, as you guys talk about praying, giving, and going, like there is an on-ramp for you to begin stepping out in your journey of faith. There's also the opportunity to sit idle, to drift. I know doing missions, man, I have been on some extraordinary trips here and 
just in my 20 years of following Jesus, there have been extraordinary moments that I have like been with other people that I've seen things happen in their lives where they have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. But a decade later, they want nothing to do with the Lord. They've drifted. And that's heartbreaking. But you and I are not like that. And I haven't given up on those people. God's not given up on those people. But when we don't practice the way, when we don't practice our faith, it just becomes religion. I know you talked about that two weeks ago. It's just religion. Man, God is alive. He has something for you, something for your neighbors. Don't, don't turn from him. Don't waste your life trying to hedge of protection around you. And maybe even in a cultural context of our generation, don't try to hedge such protection that you're keeping all the riffraff out. In fact, go to the riffraff. I was a riffraff. People loved me where I was at, coming to the Lord. So don't give up. Don't hunker down. Don't retire from following Jesus. Don't build a cultural Christian fort that excludes the brokenness of the world, but rather let your faith be strengthened in Jesus and go into that world like he did. Jesus is greater than the most twisted darkness. Jesus loves the victim. Jesus, and his unfathomable loves, loves those that are harming people. He doesn't love what they do. That sounds weird to say, right? Um, we read Paul, we champion Paul. He was actually murdering people. He was transformed by the power of Jesus. Jesus is greater than the most twisted darkness and he wins in the end. He endured the cross for the most desperate, for the most shameful person. He endured the cross for me, my guilt. I was an enemy of God, but now he calls me son and daughter. So let us run this race. Let us at least be willing this morning to be like, all right, Jesus, I did the assessment test this morning and I didn't do it so well. Help me. Or God, what can I do in faith with the things that you've given me in my life? How can I steward these things better for the kingdom? Lord, how could I be less consumed with myself and begin praying for others that are on the field or our church or our leaders? Or, Lord, how could I direct the energy and time that I spend over here doing these things and actually direct it, reorient my life to live radically, faithfully, talking to you day and night? Yes, I want to go over here and I play for a little bit, but I'm not just playing all the time. I'm not just watching 24 hours of some binge show. I'm going to turn it off and Lord, help me to redirect my life to spending that with you. And in that prayer and in that process, I guarantee you that flame will begin to flicker. It kind of begins to spread. I remember looking at my friends years ago before I was called to move away, like, wow, they moved, like, it's like they were consumed by the fire. I'm going to be consumed by the fire someday. It was almost like a frightful thing, like, but that's true. It's like this fire, the Holy Spirit. Like Jeremiah, the prophet, talks about it. Like It's like a fire inside of my bones, and I can't contain it. And I think when you and I begin to experience Jesus and the power of his resurrection, and we begin to see the brokenness of the world, and then we have the opportunity to be that light to a broken world, and we don't have to fix the problem, but we get to go and be in faith to those people, Jesus. We are participating and practicing the way we too become heroes of the faith. 
championing others. But more than that, we get to hear, good job, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let us have a faith that pleases Jesus. Let us live a life that puts a smile on his face. Let us not drift or turn away. I'm gonna pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for your mercy and your grace even in my own life. God, I start with myself and many here, maybe even reflecting on the moments that they have turned away or drift away or just had that dark season of our lives. But Lord, thank you for being faithful and not giving up on us and calling us out of darkness. Thank you for even when I know better, I struggle at times and you are faithful. And God, I cry out this morning, Lord, as I will help head back, Lord, that you would continue to increase my faith, increase the faith of those workers on the field. God, and I also pray in this morning that you would ignite the faith of my friends here. God, whether their gifting is teaching, equipping, encouraging, shepherding, Lord, that they would step into those gifts, whether they're creatives or engineers. Father, that they would do it in faith, that they would walk in faith wherever you're calling them, that they, in those scary moments, would remember you're holding them in their arms, Lord. God, ignite us. Lord, and I pray that you would bless beyond anything we could think or imagine, and you own the kingdom. God, you take precious stones and then cover them in gold. And Father, I pray right now, not just for me, but for the river, but Lord, for all those that are doing your work this morning, that you would continue to provide for them by people giving in faith, Lord. Building up a kingdom in heaven. God, let us all commune with you and be open and talking to you day in and day in out. Father, have mercy on us and increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.